Welcome, and thanks for listening to the New Life Christian Ministries podcast. If you'd like more information about New Life or for more podcasts and other media, go to newlifexn.org. As you can see, if you're new, uh, we're in a series about the Holy Spirit. Actually, it's the fifth of a five-week series, so it's the last one. And throughout the series, we have talked about this word, Pentecost. Pentecost was a Jewish holy day. Uh, They celebrated every year, and Jews from all over the world would travel to Jerusalem for that Pentecost celebration. But the Pentecost that we've been referring to throughout the series was one particular Pentecost that occurred 10 days after Jesus had had, uh, ascended into heaven. He had died on the cross. He had risen from the grave. He spent 40 days on the earth, uh, periodically visiting with his apostles, and then he returned to heaven. But before he returned to heaven, he said, soon... The promise of the Father is going to come, and that promise is the Holy Spirit, which we've been talking about. And so this Pentecost was a very special Pentecost because something happened that day that nothing had ever happened, uh, nothing like it had ever happened in the history of the world. And that is 120 believers, not just the 11 apostles who Jesus had left behind, but also all the believers on the planet. There were only 120 uh, who believed that Jesus Christ was the Messiah, the Savior of the world, were gathered in a place And in that place, on that time, the Holy Spirit came and the promise of the Father was fulfilled. So Pentecost is celebrated in the Christian tradition about seven weeks after Easter, which means it's usually in May and sometimes in early June. But what we've learned from this series is you don't have to wait till May or June to talk about the Holy Spirit. You can talk about the Holy Spirit and experience His presence and power Anytime. And so this will be the end of the Holy Spirit series, but it won't be end, end, the end of the Holy Spirit's work among us. Amen? Amen? Okay. All right. So today's message is titled The Promise Fulfilled. And the promise, if you've been coming for the last five weeks, you know is the promise that God made. God made this promise that the Holy Spirit would come to all of his people. And in fact, um, the, the, John the baptizer, when he was preparing the way for Jesus before Jesus came into his ministry on the earth, said this, that there's one coming who is greater than I am who will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. And that was the promise that God made uh, a long time ago through the prophet Joel. And then he made it again through John the Baptist. And Jesus had affirmed that this was going to happen. And that's what we're going to talk about today. So the take-home point for today, and those of you who are new, the take-home point is the one point we make in our message. And we want everybody to take it home and live it out in the week ahead. And so here's the take-home point. It's the simplest one of the entire series. It says this, the promise of the Holy Spirit is available to everyone. The promise of the Holy Spirit is available to everyone. Would you say that with me? The promise of the Holy Spirit is available to everyone. He wasn't just available to those 120 people 2,000 years ago, but he's available to each of us who trust Jesus Christ as our Savior and Lord. So we're going to turn to the book of Acts, chapter 2. That's where the Pentecost record is kept in chapter 2, verses 1, really almost to the end of the chapter, but we're going to look at verses 1 to 21, and we're going to sort of scan through them to just get a gist of them, and then we're going to go back through and sort of take a little bit of time in each section so we can see what happened and how that applies to us today. So if you have your Bible, then I would encourage you to turn to Acts chapter 2, verse 1. It's also going to be up on the screen. So on the day of Pentecost, seven weeks after Jesus' resurrection, the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm in the skies above them, and it filled the house where they were meeting. 
Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. So notice the descriptive language there. The first word that sticks out is suddenly. Now these folks had been in the same place for 10 days. For 10 days, they had been waiting and praying and praying and waiting. Jesus had told the 11 apostles before he went back to heaven that he was going to send the Holy Spirit, that promise, soon, and they were supposed to wait. And while they were waiting, they prayed. Now, I don't know how long you've ever prayed at one time. I have never prayed for 10 straight days. I mean, from morning till night, go to sleep, wake up, morning till night, go to sleep, wake up for 10 days. And so they were waiting, and suddenly, in the midst of this waiting, something happened that broke the waiting. We are told that there was a sound. The first thing was a sound like a mighty windstorm. It doesn't say there was a windstorm. A lot of times when people talk about Pentecost, they say, this wind came. Maybe, but it actually says it was the sound like a windstorm. So there was this loud sound like the wind. It's so loud that we're going to see in the, later on in the text that people, those Jews who were there for Pentecost from all over the world, they heard the sound, and they came running. And then the next thing that happened is these tongues or flames of fire rested on top of all 120, not just the 11 apostles, but all the men and women, maybe even some children. We don't know, but we do know all 120 believers saw this manifestation of the Holy Spirit and and he came into them. They were baptized or filled with the Holy Spirit in that moment. And actually, that's what it says next. Everyone was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. So every single one of them, all 120, uh, received the Holy Spirit, and then they started speaking in other languages. Then, the next thing it says is godly Jews. That's those people that came on that pilgrimage from all over the world, came to, uh, were living in Jerusalem, and when they heard the sound, they came running to see what it was all about. They were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by the believers. They were beside themselves with wonder. How can this be, they exclaimed, These people are all from Galilee, and yet we hear them speaking the languages of the lands where we were born. So they were beside themselves with wonder, because the Galileans were not known as scholars. (laughs) They weren't known as having concern for international affairs, and yet here are a bunch of Galileans, and they're all speaking the languages of people from all over the world, 120 people speaking different languages they had never learned. And here's where the people were from. It says, here we are, Parthians, Medes, Elamites, people from Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, the province of Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the areas of Libya toward Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabians, and we all hear these people speaking in our own languages about the wonderful things God has done. So how many people heard these um, people speaking in their own language? All. All of them. Every person in Jerusalem that day, no matter where they were from, heard the message of God about Jesus Christ in their own language. And then it says, they stood there amazed and perplexed. What can this mean, they asked each other. But others in the crowd were mocking. They're drunk, that's all they said. You know, there's always more than one way to see God's work, isn't there? Some people were amazed, and other people said they're drunk. So when we see God at work, not everybody sees God at work. Then it says, Peter stepped forward with the 11 other apostles and shouted to the crowd, Listen carefully, all of you fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem. Make no mistake about this. Some of you are saying these people are drunk. It isn't true. It's much too early for that. People don't get drunk by 9 o'clock in the morning. So Peter addresses the practical concern. You know, it's 9 o'clock in the morning. Most people aren't drunk at 9 o'clock in the morning. Then it says, here's what really happened. No, what you see this morning was predicted centuries ago by the prophet Joel. 
In the last days, God said, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. In those days, I will pour out my spirit upon all my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy. And I will cause wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and clouds of smoke. The sun will be turned into darkness and the moon will turn blood red before that great and glorious day of the Lord arrives. And anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for this truth that when your Holy Spirit came, everyone had a chance to receive him. God, we thank you that those 120 did receive the Holy Spirit and that they went out and told everybody. And God, we pray for a fresh outpouring of your Holy Spirit among us today that we might hear your word of truth and that we might live it out faithfully, that we might love you more deeply and that we might serve you effectively here in this community, in our communities where we come from, uh, ultimately in Pennsylvania, the United States, and the ends of the earth. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So how many of you have ever heard that scripture passage before? Anybody ever heard it before? I would guess if you ever came to church, probably you've heard it because almost every Pentecost in Christian churches around the world, that passage of scripture is read. But another question I have is, how many of you may have been hearing it a little differently this time because of what God has been doing in you through the Holy Spirit over the past couple of weeks? Remember that the promise of the Holy Spirit is available to everyone. So let's take a closer look at what happened in uh, that moment when for the very first time the Holy Spirit came to those 120 people. And uh, if you want to follow along, this is where the outline picks up. And the first statement in the outline says that the coming of the Holy Spirit to the believers on Pentecost was a once in history experience. What I mean by that is the Holy Spirit had never come to that many people all at once. The Holy Spirit had never come to all the believers on the planet. Of course, the number was small at that time, but that had never happened. This is why um, people who are biblical scholars say this was the birthday of the church. Because the church of Jesus Christ was born in that moment when the Holy Spirit filled all of the believers. And then in that same day, as we're going to see, um, 3,000 more people came to know Jesus Christ as their Savior and Lord. But the Holy Spirit didn't come the same way to those 3,000. I mean, he didn't appear again uh, as tongues of fire. He didn't uh, have this accompanying noise of this windstorm. This was the only time in history it ever happened that way. I'd like to read it once more, one more time together. If you would, would you please join me as we read aloud uh, verses 1 to 4. I'm not going to make you read the following ones where it has all those countries and names and all that. We won't do that one, okay? But let's read together. On the day of Pentecost, seven weeks after Jesus' resurrection, the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm in the skies above them, and it filled the house where they were meeting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them, and everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. So this was the initial fulfillment of God's long-standing promise. I mean, the promise came through the prophet Joel, who said in the last days that the Holy Spirit would be poured out on all people. And so this is the initial installment, you might say, of the Holy Spirit coming. 120, and then at the end of the day, 3,000 more, and then a couple weeks later, 5,000 more, and then thousands more and thousands more until the Holy Spirit has been poured out across the entire world. Now, not every people everywhere have yet heard the gospel, but everywhere the gospel has been preached, 
He, Jesus has been received as Savior and Lord, and the Holy Spirit has come. So it was the beginning of the fulfillment of that promise. And one of the most important things that we need to know about God is that he never changes. The Bible tells us in Hebrews that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever, so he never changes. God the Father, we are told in the book of Revelation, is the one who was, who is, and who is to come. And Jesus told us in the Gospel of John that the Holy Spirit will be with us forever, that he will be the same forever. He doesn't change. But the thing we need to know is that the way God reveals himself to us changes. God doesn't change, but he reveals himself to us differently. Think about it. When God appeared to Abraham, he appeared as a man who was walking uh, towards Sodom and Gomorrah, actually, to do a, you know, a task. And, and as he appeared to Moses, he appeared in a burning bush. When he appeared to Joshua, he appeared as a fiery soldier. When he appeared to the 12 apostles for the first time, he appeared to them as the man, Jesus Christ. But when he appears to us in this day and age, and as he appeared to the apostles on that day, he appears as spirit. And even that doesn't always happen the same way. I mean, it only happened that way once where the tongues of fire came. If you've never had tongues of fire come down on your head, if you've never had that wind sound come whenever the Holy Spirit came, that's okay because it only happened once. And then he comes differently. Sometimes he comes in a group like this. As we pray together, the Holy Spirit falls. Sometimes you raise your hand. Sometimes you come forward. Sometimes it's in the privacy of your own home. Sometimes it might be just as you're driving along in a car. God comes to us and the Holy Spirit comes to us individually, although God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Now, the next thing that we find through this scripture is that on the first Christian Pentecost, the coming of the Holy Spirit was only to Jews. Only Jews received the Holy Spirit on that first Pentecost. We often forget that our faith as followers of Jesus is rooted in Judaism. You see, most of us weren't Jews before we were followers of Jesus, and so we forget our heritage. But what it says is, when they heard the sound, godly Jews, sorry, godly Jews from many nations were living in Jerusalem at the time, and when they heard this sound, they came running to see what it was all about. And they were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by the believers. As I said, those Jews had taken their pilgrimage, just as Muslims today take a pilgrimage to Mecca, at least they're supposed to, one time in their lifetime. The Jews who could would travel sometimes thousands of miles to go to Jerusalem, the center of their faith. And they would go there for, for Pentecost, they would go there for Passover, and for some of the other high holy days of the Jews. But there were a lot of them, as we were told, living there who were from other countries, and they were godly Jews. What does that mean? It means that they feared God, they loved God, they cared deeply about God. And when the Holy Spirit came to those first 120, all of the Jews in Jerusalem that day got to hear the message of God's power through Jesus Christ and got to have the opportunity to receive the Holy Spirit. So that's what was possible, but they were all Jews. And one of the things I love about the Bible is it doesn't just tell us the good stuff. You know, I mean, there, there are times in the Bible when we're told that people were against God. People who love God sometimes turned against God. And why do I like that? Because I don't always get it the first time. Sometimes God tells me stuff and I don't do it. Sometimes whenever I hear God's message, I don't just immediately do what he says. And so I know that even when that's the truth about me, God can still transform me because that's the case here. And as we saw in the scripture, the coming of the Holy Spirit on Pentecost received mixed reviews. 
Remember what happened? We read it already once, but here it is. He says, they were beside themselves with wonder. That's all these Jews who were gathered and heard the message of God in their own languages. It says, how can this be? These people are from Galilee, and yet we hear them speaking the language of the lands where we were born. We all hear these people speaking in our own language about the wonderful things God has done. They stood there amazed and perplexed. But then the other group said this, but others in the crowd were mocking. They're drunk, that's all. So, some were beside themselves with wonder, and some were saying they're drunk. How can that be? How can it be that the same situation, the coming of the Holy Spirit and this ability for these Galileans who were ordinary folks, not educated people at all, were able to speak in other languages, the wonders of God, how could it be some heard it and said, wow, this is incredible, and others said they're drunk? Well, the answer is because there were different hearts. In different minds perceiving it. I'll give you an example. Nancy and I live in a place where we get to see beautiful sunsets. Often, whenever there is a sunset, we get to see a beautiful sunset. And when we see that, we go, wow, God is incredible. But you know, other people see beautiful sunsets, and what do they say? Nothing. Or, or they say, well, you realize that's just dirt particles being refracted as the earth is rotating. So, so two different minds, two different hearts see the same thing. They experience different results. Some people pick up this book and they say, this is the word of God. Other people pick up this book and say, it's a book of myths and legends. How can that be? The answer is because when it comes to matters of faith, there's room for interpretation. That's why it's called faith. Faith doesn't mean you have to be gullible to believe it. I mean, faith is an informed trust, but it means that some people look with eyes that God gives them the ability to see what's going on, and other people look, and they're just, they're just all wrapped up in themselves. And, and, you know, I mean, we were just talking about this this morning. There are even pastors out there, actually quite a few pastors out there, who used to be pastors who are now saying that Jesus isn't real, you know, that the Bible is a book of myths and legends. I just want to say something about that. Jesus didn't change. Jesus didn't change. Just because a human being doesn't believe what he used to believe or she used to believe doesn't mean it wasn't true in the first place and isn't still true. We need to understand that. Faith is going to always require that we take a step when we don't see exactly what's next. But that doesn't mean there isn't a next. It means that we understand. Just as these people saw and most of them said, wow, this is incredible. God's doing something amazing. And a handful said, they're drunk. That actually, notice there was a reasonable explanation for why they weren't drunk. That's what comes next. In, in fact, Peter's response is practical and prophetic. The first is the practical. Peter steps forward with the other 11. He shouts to the crowd, listen carefully, all you fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem. Make no mistake about this. Some of you are saying these people are drunk. It isn't true. It's much too early for that. People don't get drunk by 9 o'clock in the morning. Hey, let's be practical here. The bars aren't open yet. So why would you think they're drunk? That makes no sense. I mean, think about it. A lot of the excuses people make for why God isn't real, they don't make any more sense than the idea that these people were drunk. Okay, so then Peter says, here's what's really happening. What really happens is, know what you see this morning was predicted centuries ago by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God said, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy, your young men will see visions, and your old men will dream dreams. In those days, I will pour out my spirit upon all my servants. That's the key word, all. Men and women alike, and they will prophesy, and I will cause wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and clouds of smoke. The sun will be turned into darkness, the moon will turn blood red before the great and glorious day of the Lord arrives, and anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. 
that's actually in the book of Joel. That's all from the book of Joel. But in the time of the Old Testament, God said, anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And now what Peter is saying again is, anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So God promised to pour out his spirit in the last days. What Peter is saying is, the last days have just started. I've had people ask me a lot of times over the years, probably one of the most common people questions people ask me as a pastor is, do you think we're living in the last days? No, I know we are. <laughs> we are living in the last days. The last days started on that first Christian Pentecost. It tells us right there, Peter clearly explained that this is the beginning of the last days. Now, when's the last day? No T at the end of my name. I don't know. And actually, the guy with the T at the end of his name, Christ, he didn't know either. He said only his heavenly Father knows. What we were told by Jesus is be ready. And so that's what I'm doing here. I'm trying to equip us to be ready for that last day, but we are definitely living in the last days. And God has done many signs and wonders down through the last 2,000 years. There will be many more. I just want to give you a heads up. August 21st, there's going to be a total solar eclipse across the United States. There will be people, I guarantee you, there's going to be people on Facebook telling you that that's the last day. They might be right, <laughs> but they might be wrong, right? I mean, because what did Jesus tell us? We won't know when the last day comes. So I doubt if, since we know that August 21st is going to be a total solar eclipse, you know, I guess at the end of the middle of the day when it's totally dark like it says it's going to be, God could go, surprise, but we'll wait and see. What I know is better be ready on August 21st. And the 22nd, because I'm pretty sure that'll come too. Okay, so um, the next thing that I want to say is this is a question people have asked me. One of you actually asked me this question. It's a really good question. It comes right out of Joel's prophecy. Since it says, this is the question, since it says that the Holy Spirit's going to be poured out on all people, does that mean that all people have the Holy Spirit? No. All people don't yet have the Holy Spirit. God is pouring out his spirit on all people. But we don't receive the Holy Spirit until we receive who? Jesus. Because God is one, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. If we haven't received Jesus as Savior and Lord, then we haven't received the Father, we haven't received the Holy Spirit. But all of us, all of us can receive the Holy Spirit. But that is part and parcel with trusting Jesus as Savior and Lord and being born again, as he called it, then the Holy Spirit comes into our lives. So then, the next thing that uh, is on your list, the last thing that's on the list of your outline there is that the coming of the Holy Spirit fulfilled the promise of the Father and is available to us. Jesus always keeps his promises. God the Father always keeps his promises. The Holy Spirit always keeps his promises. And so when the Holy Spirit came, that was the beginning of the fulfillment of God's longstanding promise. But that promise wasn't just for the 120. As we see at the end of that day, all the people who were listening asked a very important thing. In fact, if we, if we read ahead a little bit, we go to verse 37. We jump over from the passage we read in verse 37 of chapter 2. It says, when the people heard this, which was the message of salvation through Jesus Christ that Peter preached that day, um, it says, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. And they said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. So when Peter preached the message and when he finished, 
we are told that the crowd was cut to the heart. That means they recognized that what Peter said was true. And they asked the most important thing that we can ever ask at the end of a message. What should we do? They didn't say, hey, we're feeling bad. How should we feel? They didn't say, you know, this really, really, this makes me feel so terrible. I think I'm going to maybe just reflect about this for a while. What they said was, what should we do? And we all need to understand that when we hear the message of salvation in Jesus Christ, that there's a God who loves us enough that he sent his son Jesus to the world to live a perfect life and die on the cross and rise from the dead and go back to heaven and send his spirit into all the believers, when we hear that message, we need to realize that the reason that was necessary is because everybody's a sinner. All of us have turned away from God. None of us have you know, risen to God's standard. We've rejected God's glory in our lives. That's true of all of us. And those people that day understood that. And today, if we understand that and we're cut to our hearts because our sins crucified Jesus, then what are we going to do? And and Peter tells us what we're supposed to do. Repent means if you're walking this way, repent means turn around. Very simple thing. That's sin. This is God. You turn around come back to God. He actually says to be baptized. In water, he's talking about. Be baptized in water. It's the first step of obedience that we take once we believe what the message of good news is in Jesus Christ. And then he says you'll receive the Holy Spirit. And then he says this. The promise is for you and for all who are your children and for all who are far off, for all the Lord our God will call. And again, Peter was only speaking to Jews that day. But we know that the Holy Spirit isn't just for Jews. How do we know that? Because in the other messages, we've talked about that. Last week, Pastor Brad talked about Samaritans who were half Jews, and they received the Holy Spirit. You know, in Acts chapter 10, we know that Peter went and spoke to Cornelius, who was a Roman centurion. It doesn't get more non-Jew than that. We call those people Gentiles, which all of us would have probably been. Unless you were a Jew before you became a follower of Jesus, you're a Gentile. And those people, Cornelius and his family and his friends that gathered, Peter preached the same message that he preached on Pentecost. It didn't happen the same way as it happened for the 120. But what happened is while he's preaching, the Holy Spirit fell on them. So Peter says here, you need to repent, believe, repent. You need to be baptized or receive the Holy Spirit. But what happened for Cornelius was, and his, and his family, they just heard. And as they heard, the Holy Spirit came. Because the Holy Spirit comes to you how he comes to you. He doesn't come the same way to everybody. And that's what happens when people say, well, you need to get somebody to pound you on the head. You need to have somebody. You need to lie down on your face. You need to, I don't know, hang upside down from a tree. You need to do something. You do need to do something. I need to do something. We need to repent. (laughs) We need to understand that we're sinners and that we are in need of the grace of the living God of the universe through his son, Jesus Christ, and his blood poured out. And when salvation comes, the Holy Spirit comes, but he wants to come more richly and deeply to us as well. And that's why, as we talked about a couple weeks ago, we need to be being filled with the Holy Spirit. So as we close out this series, I want us to remember the take-home point for today, that the promise of the Holy Spirit is available to everyone. It doesn't matter whether you've been at all five services or this is your first service. It doesn't matter whether you've ever heard this message before or whether this is the first time you've heard the message. Only thing, the only thing that matters is that you understand that there's a God who created everything that exists and that his son Jesus came here to the earth because we rejected him. That's so incredible. I mean, every time I think about that, I I still can't believe it. 
that the God of the universe, who doesn't need us, I mean, he could make a billion more of us just like that, but he doesn't need us. But he loved us and still does, still does love us enough that Jesus came and lived the perfect life we couldn't live and died on the cross and paid the penalty we should have paid. And then God raised him back from the dead. And when we know that and we understand that and we receive Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, then the promise of the Holy Spirit is open to us. We receive the Holy Spirit at the time we believe, but we can receive more of the Holy Spirit. Not more of the Holy Spirit. That's a bad way of saying it. We receive the Holy Spirit more in our lives as we see happen here on Pentecost, as we see happen over and over in the book of Acts, and actually happen throughout, has happened throughout the history of the church. So when we let God justify us, meaning he died for us in Jesus Christ, so we're just as if we never sinned, then we are saved. And when we're saved, this life in the Holy Spirit begins. Just like the Holy Spirit came on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit continues to come down through the history of the church and will come until Jesus returns. And when Jesus returns, then all of us will have the fullness of God in our lives and he will be the fullness of everything for us. So it's by the power and grace of God and his love that we receive that promise. And then what do we do when we get it? Well, we were told by Jesus that when the Holy Spirit comes, we would have power. Then we're supposed to go and be his witness in those days, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth. In our day, in Saxonburg and where we live, and then in western Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania, the United States, and the ends of the earth. So I'm going to ask you to do something. If you're able to, would you please stand right now? And uh, to make it a little comfortable, more comfortable for everybody, I'm going to ask you to close your eyes. And we did this a couple weeks ago. We're going to do the same thing, basically. Again, I'm going to ask you, if you've never trusted Jesus as your Savior and Lord, you've never said, I'm a sinner who needs to repent. But today, you've been pierced in your heart. And you want to do that. You want to trust Jesus as your Savior and Lord for the very first time. Would you please raise your hand if this is the very first time in your life that you want to say yes to Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord. Okay, you can put down your hands now. If you have never been baptized in the Holy Spirit, as happened on that first day, as happened to the Samaritans, as happened to Cornelius and his family, if that's never happened and you would desire that in your life today, would you please raise your hand right now? If you've never been baptized in the Holy Spirit, but you want to be. Okay, you can put down your hand. Then if you have been baptized in the Holy Spirit, you trust Jesus as your Savior and Lord, but you want a new filling with the Holy Spirit, which Paul the Apostle said we all need. If you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit again, would you please raise your hand at this time? Okay, so you all can put your hands down. And I'm going to ask you to open your eyes and look up here for a minute. So if you trusted Jesus, raise your hand and said, yes, Jesus, I want you to be my Savior and Lord, then what that means is that you are transferring ownership from yourself to Jesus. And it's the best thing you can ever do. Um, the interesting thing is when we're slaves to sin, it leads to death. But when we become slaves to Jesus, which was what Paul the Apostle said he was, a bondservant of Jesus Christ, um, it brings freedom. Uh, that, with that's only kind of, it's the kind of freedom you can't get any other way. Those of you who raised your hand and you ask that you want to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, we're going to pray for that in a moment. I just want you to know a couple things. One is it's a one-time thing. Two is it may not happen today. It may. 
Uh, it may happen when you go home. It may happen some other time. Um, and filling of the Holy Spirit, if you raise your hand for that, remember, you can do this at home. You can, you know, you can just say, fill me, God. In fact, I've already done that several times today, and I would encourage you to do that on an ongoing basis. Let's pray together. Almighty God, we do thank you for your salvation in Jesus Christ. Each of us who has trusted you as Savior and Lord has rejected our sin and turned to you. We thank you from the depths of our hearts and our souls and our spirits and our lives, God, that we have a new life. God, I pray now for those who raise their hands, who want to be baptized in your Holy Spirit. I pray, God, that you would pour out your Spirit in a new and special, powerful way in each of their lives. God, I pray also for all of us who raised our hand and said we want to be filled again with your Holy Spirit. God, fill us. Fill us to overflowing. And we know that the purpose for which we are to be filled is so that we can go out and tell others of your salvation. So give us boldness and compassion, God. Give us confidence, but give us humility as we go out in the power of your spirit to share your life that is truly life with our family members, with our friends, with those we work with, with classmates in school when we go back in the fall or maybe in summer classes. God, wherever we are, we pray that you would give us opportunities to share your truth and your love and your life. In Jesus' name, amen.